And by that time, the horse understands your legs, how much pressure means something, and you understand how much you can do. Because the more you do, the more you'll know exactly the right amount to get the horse into a canter from any one speed. And knowing that's really important. I think I think knowing that is so important because sometimes we just don't know and we're still we're doing all this canter work on our horses and sometimes we've got to kick them up and sometimes we, we, we hardly can touch them and they're sort of taking off. That was Mark Langley giving his expert tips to us once more. This week he answers questions on working within speeds, getting the right one and increasing it. Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. First question for you is from Andrea, and she'd like to know about how you can get a horse to, to walk a little bit faster when they're very unconfident. So, for example, when you're using reins only for direction during training to build confidence in leaving other horses or perhaps home, um, perhaps when you're doing the exercise like the flower petal pattern, she's finding that the walk away with her horse is painfully slow. So her question is, do you have to wait for the horse until they are truly committed to that direction before using their legs to speed them up? Um. That's a good question, actually, because it's funny. You come across different horses that um, what they'll do is some of them, it's, it's, once they let go of the thought of home, they just take on that new direction as, as, as quite, you know, just the same speed as they would on the way home. So if you've dropped the reins, they'll just walk out at their normal comfortable walk out and their comfortable walk back. And you get others that, um, that um, you know, will still crawl out. Now, you still got to remember that they're horses and they're going to be more comfortable with their herd and also going out on their own. So you've got some horses that walk out slowly, but all they're doing is thinking on the other horses and they're magneting back to the other horses. So once they let go of that thought, they walk nicely away from the other horses because they're a confident horse. Then you've got the not so confident horses that when they're walking towards home they're drawn they're drawn to home because yes they want to go that way because that's where they're safe and then but when they're going out they've got to deal with all that out there on their own so there's two types of re two reasons why your horses two magnetisms why your horses don't go out one is um the pulling from behind of the horses are thinking about the other horses and they want to go there and the pushing from what's in front so the pushing from what's in front is what the horse is, what's overwhelming the horse. So imagine this situation, you know, I don't know, you might be uh, in a in a new town that's kind of war-to-war torn and everything like that, and the, and, and the, the people there you don't know, you've just been dropped off there out of, you know, teleported there, you're standing in the middle of the street, and you go, wow, um, I, I'm really frightened. Um, and you're going to walk up that street very cautiously and very slowly um, because you want to assess everything as you as you walk, you're not going to walk up there in a big hurry. Uh, the only reason you're going to walk in a hurry is if someone said, see that post over there, that's the safety post, and people are going to meet you there and make you safe. So then all of a sudden you just rush to that post and hopefully you won't get shot at or whatever. But if you didn't have a post to go to, then you're not going to get tunnel vision. You're just going to walk going, oh, crikey, is there, oh, there's a spot I can hide there if something happens or oh, I've got that spot. I wonder what that is over there, that door's open. I wonder if someone's in that door. 
or I better go quietly past that door or hide my way around it or whatever. So um, that's the pushing back magnetism. That's the, 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 the everything out there sort of overwhelming the horse and making it walk more cautiously. But when the horse turns around, it realigns itself with that safety post and then walks faster. So as I said before, some horses, you just have to get them to let go of the other horses and then they'll walk out fast because they're confident and they, they're not so scared of going out on their own carrying a person. And then there's the others that still kind of let go of the other horses, but they kind of crawl out cautiously. Okay, so 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 those ones, you know, to get a reasonable walk out so that they're giving you a good walk, you can sometimes help them speed up. But um, what I would tend to do is I'd, I just do the, the process of going back more often. So I'd turn your horse around. So, so say, for instance, you're doing the rain exercise where the horse is actually walking out in a straight line with the reins, and it, it's just walking slowly, and it's more fast on the way home. So it's just walking slowly. So you might ride out about 20 metres, and you turn around, and I just trot it back to the yards and bring a bit of impulsion up, get the horse going. So it's really you know getting going, and then I'd turn it around again and just let it walk out. And as, as I turn it and straighten it, I'd squeeze up my legs and say, can you walk out fast? Uh, and then it might give me a little bit of a fast walk for a bit, and then I might go 10 metres, then I might turn around, give it a little trot back to the yards, and then uh, and, and bring up the impulsion and that uh, idea of moving forward fast and then ask it out again. Um, and, you know, with some horses, if I had a good feeling that the horse was – I'd, I'd help it walk out fast for 10 metres and then I'd just turn it back and then I'd walk fast again. So so what you're doing in that respect, if it was the horse lacking confidence in the and in the, in being overwhelmed from all the things that it's got to look at, what's going to happen is uh, if you walked it out fast for 10 metres, it's only 10 metres and you turn it back and you might walk it fast for 10 metres back. So you help it with your legs up a little bit. But then you've turned it back around and you're walking away from home, but you're recovering the ground you've already done. So what happens is the horse starts to go, I've been here before, I'm more confident. And then you just increase the distance it goes and it can walk out a bit faster. And it's not like you have to spend your whole life doing that. What ends up happening is the horse starts to get more confidence at going out uh, at a better speed, thinking about things. And after a while, there's there's no bombs out there. There's nothing that's going to blow up. There's kangaroos that hop around a bit, but it starts to recognise there's no threats towards the horse. So it gets more confident in soaking up new ground. Um so I'm not exactly sure what the level your horse is at and how you know how how much riding it's had, but but maybe um, you know you can you can help it walk up fast, but you're not say fast 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 a long way. You bring it back and go again, and um, and as I say, you can bring more impulsion into the the situation by going faster home for a little bit and then back again. But it's obviously you're not you know stopping the horse when you get home, so it learns to run for home because you're just riding it back and starting again a little bit in these little little rides out and back. Uh, until you can get an equal impulsion in both directions, and and yeah, by slowly bringing the horse by bringing the horse back into safety and then out into sort of bit of enemy territory, back into safety and out, then then you by recovering their tracks that they've already been on, there's more chance that they're going to hold their own own impulsion on the way out because they're not over cautious of what's in front of them. But if it's still like a lingering backward thought on the other horses, then maybe the horse still hasn't quite let go of that either. And maybe you have to look at look at that as an issue, um, but yes, you are allowed to help your horse up a bit and get a bit of speed and show them that you can walk a bit faster. But don't get in the habit of saying, "Oh, well, Mark said I can use my legs," and then getting back in the habit of just pushing them out like a wheelbarrow. Because uh, if it's a horse that lacks confidence, you might end up with it sort of running back, uh, you know, sort of getting anxious out there and then sort of really wanting to rush for home. So, can you? Yeah, sorry, can you? I'm just going to pause it. you on that one because I wanted to 
ask you about that. Sorry, Mark, I wanted to, my question was going to be, I was going to interrupt you. Um, what happens if you do kick a horse out because they're slow and you're going out and they're going into the unknown? And obviously now we know they're a bit cautious, but um, if you're just kicking them to get them to go faster and they know I want you to go there, I want you to do that, what happens to a horse in the long run? Well, it's almost like um, having the uh, bungee cord locked up, you know, stuck at home. So basically, if you if if you just imagine yourself and I was pushing you on the shoulders out into some place that you're pushing back against me and you don't want to go, and I just keep pushing you, that's what mm. happens. And a lot of people just you know they put spurs on and just push their horse out. So basically, if you were the further you go out and the more threatened you feel out there. So basically what happens, everything might be okay and there's nothing going on, but all of a sudden because I'm pushing you out and I'm just pushing you further into enemy territory, as soon as I let go of my hands and a kangaroo jumps out, you're going to turn around and want to run for home. Explode, yes. So explode. So, the, so basically if you, if you had an allied, like think of any human situation, if you had an allied base back where you were comfortable, you had, you, you know, you had your support, your friends there, everything, um, that's where you ate and slept, that's where you'd be comfortable. And then they said, right, you're going to on a mission on your own. You're going to walk out through those streets and you're in enemy territory, um, but you weren't used to that. And someone just, you, you were in front, but had someone pushing you out there, just pushing, pushing, pushing further and further and further, and you couldn't process all the things in front of you. As soon as you hear a bomb go off, you're going to run back for the base, Okay. But if you're taking yourself out there cautiously and thinking and assessing everything, you're assessing the danger as you go, you're, you're more empowered. And, and when you interrupt a horse by kicking them and pushing them all the time, you're not letting them process because they're thinking about moving off your leg and thinking about pushing on your legs and then you're straightening them up with the reins all the time and then and they need to process their environment. It's too much white noise and they, and they don't process enough. So when they, and, and then almost when, when something does happen that frightens them, they almost say, I told you so. I told you it was unsafe. And then mm. they, they think you're a bad leader and you make bad decisions. Um, whereas if you just take them out a bit and take them home again, you always lead them to safety. And that's my principle is if the horse can take you out on a loose rein, then you turn around and say, quick, we better go back to base and have, have, have some smoke. And then we say, let's go again. Uh, and and they just go back and and then they go out again and they go oh this is all right um, he takes me You're home increasing their I confidence like mm. you're increasing their confidence and 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 you can speed them up a little bit on the way home and then speed them up a little bit on the way out uh, and and yeah, and encourage them with your legs once they can sort of once they can go in all directions equal you speed them up for a little bit and then you bring them back and and out and then soon enough they'll hold that nice walk if the horse can prove to you it's got a nice walk and if it on the way home they usually will prove they've got a reasonable walk and they should be able to carry that same reasonable walk on the way out mm, okay now we've got to sort of go on a little bit to the next stage of trotting uh this question is from carla and she says that um she's been working with her horse on the ground for a while now and it is now really soft so she's been sort of repeating different exercises, backwards, forwards, walking past and using the indirect rein. And she can get her horse to trot easily beside her, giving him rope for a larger circle even. But how do you get the canter? Um, one way I do do it, um, and it's also... And I would do it more more likely to do if your horse hasn't had a lot of driving pressure, you can start to add a little bit of a pop of a flag or an impulsion or something like that to help them step up to the next speed. Um, and if you haven't been using driving pressure as your main sort of stable mate, 
um, then a little bit of impulsion, if you're thinking forward and pop a flag and lift your energy and pop a flag, the horse will go forward because they see energy as energy um, not directed at them. But for the horses that have had in, uh, a lot of energy pushed into them to go away, then those ones, um, I definitely wait a while before I'd added that type of energy in a situation. Um, so, you know, people say, you know, well, I, I train people not to drive horses, but once you've got a soft horse, like even at a clinic recently, I've got a lot of footage of a young horse, which I'll probably put online that I've just been starting over a clinic or getting most of it sort of done as much as we can at a few clinics. And there's a few lessons where I'm getting the horse to sort of get into a canner and I just sort of, you know, the horse is travelling and I bang the flag, the horse gets a little bit of a fright, but it runs forward and I just wanted to see it canner with the saddle. So in that situation, I knew that the horse would find a canner and travel, but in all our training, we haven't been chasing the horse. So it doesn't feel, oh, I'm running away from him and that flag. It just goes, oh, that, that got me going a bit. And then I just direct my thoughts to the left and the horse travels around to the left and canters a little bit. Um, so it's not like the constant barrage of driving pressure where they where they constantly feel like they're hunted all the time. And and so it feels, it's a bit of drive in it, but it's it's not a, it, because they you're not relying on that all the time. They just go, oh, I've got to go forward. So, um, but what you're trying to establish, I think the biggest thing is, is whichever way you do it, and I'll explain it now, is what you're trying to work on when you're walking a circle, I start to sort of step myself, uh, I go in a straight line and then I turn and I think to the left and I, and I want them to go around to the left and my, my thoughts are going to the left. So sometimes when I first canter a horse, instead of standing still in the middle and looking at my horse, I actually do it like I'm leading the horse. Uh, so I'm walking to the left. So say the horse was going around to the left, I've got it in my right hand instead of a lunging hand where I'm standing in the middle, sort of looking at its loin, I'm actually walking a circle to the left. It could be a tiny circle. Um, but I'm, my leading foot is always leading off to the direction I want to go. So, um, so by this stage, you should have your horse established that when you push that knot forward, even at a distance that feels that leading hand go forward and the horse will try and put its shoulder in front of yours so the whole idea is we lift that knot and the horse pushes out in front of our shoulder so after a while the horse gets so in tune to that that when you turn a little bit to the left obviously your shoulder goes forward a little bit and you push your leading hand forward and then that horse tries really hard to get forward because it understands i've got to get forward into that position so the position would be my shoulders more in line <clears throat> with the girth where the girth would be so if i swivel a bit and push the horse goes, oh, I've got to get my girth ahead to line up with his shoulder again. So sometimes, like it starts off as a leading lesson where, they, where you've used pole pressure, got them to lead up soft, got them to trot up, things like that. And then now you're on a longer line on a circle, but the horse will interpret some of this with its eyes. Like uh, I try and encourage people to really use feel and not, not visual stuff. But there's times there when you've got your horse traveling and, and, and you pick up that lead, you'll move a bit and they'll sort of they'll use their eyes and the feel as well. And that's not, not, not the end of the world if they do that. That's part of, part of learning. They're going to use their, use their eyes to figure out something. You've just got to be real careful that they're not over-figuring stuff out with their eyes and still carrying a lot of brace in the lead. And, 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 and you're aware enough to sort of understand that, that you'd be fine. Um, so you, you get them to sort of slow down. So I do a lot of slowing down in the trot, speeding up, slowing down, speeding up. And I, and I, and I push and then I then I'll get to a point that the horse is accelerating really nicely and really smooth. And then I just pivot 
a little further so the horse has got to get to that point a little quicker and then you'll see them go pop straight into canter that's if they're really tuning into that so so basically it's how well they're following the feel of that transition sets them up that you speed the transition up you push your leading hand a little stronger you move a little stronger in, in, in your body as you're coming around that, that turn and the horse to get in front has to really push out and get to that canter. And then you, it's the way you walk the circle that determines what speed the horse goes at because eventually the horse is keeping its shoulder in front of your shoulder. So if you slow down in a certain way, the horse slows down. If you speed up in a certain way, the horse speeds up. And because uh, you're on a long line and you're on the smaller circle, how you twist your shoulder or pivot is, is, is where the horse stays and, and what speed it stays at. Um, so that's something I want to really think about when I'm doing those circles. So sometimes if the horse is just a little stuck, then I'll have a flag in my inside hand and I'll just that last little bit where it's kind of a little, little, little laggy, I might just pop my leg and the horse goes, oh, pop, and it just pops up into canter and finds it. But I don't want to make a big deal of, you know, pushing it in the loin and pinging it out, especially if it's one that's really sensitive and could start to think that we're sort of chasing on it. I tend to just want to wake them up and get them aware that, hey, just wake up and step forward. So you can, you know, use a bit of a flag and, and pop on your leg. But if you're starting to think that you've got to just kind of push them and drive them and send them forward, then they're not really following that leading idea. They're just kind of just getting sent away. And, and then, I don't know, it just sort of ends up just to get the can and we end up damaging other things in the horse and it wasn't worth it. So, um, you know, you can go back to trotting and getting good balance, getting a better transition and then getting canner later on. But, yeah, that's how I sort of would, would do it on a lunge. Okay. And going into the next speed, a gallop, this question comes from Burn. Um, she'd like to know, how do you train up and within a speed and going about preparing for different speeds within the canter, then onto a gallop? Mm -hmm. That's a good, good question, uh, Burn. So the, the, you, you've, you've um, seen, seen a few clinics, Burn, where you've seen me do a lot of uh, uh, walking transitions. Uh, so the walking transitions are designed so... Uh, you know, some people come to me with a horse says, oh, my horse rushes into can, it rushes into trot. And um, and, and, and they've done 50,000 circles to cool it down every time it rushes and say, don't rush soften and let it go out on a loose rein and ask it again. And then the horse rushes, then you turn around and it's often, uh, and I say, well, you've probably done 50,000 cooling circles to bring your horse back on that loose rein at the trot. But how about we look at the accelerator? Because if you had a car that you were in peak hour traffic and you put your foot on the accelerator a little bit just to creep forward and it drove really fast into the car in front and smashed into it, you'd be going to get the accelerator fixed, not the brakes, because it was the accelerator that caused you to crash because you crashed before you even have it, had time to think about even putting your foot on the brakes. So, And that's what a lot of horses do. You add a bit of acceleration and, and, and you don't know what you're going to get. Sometimes you get nothing. Sometimes you get a jump. Sometimes you get whatever. So um, so for, for everybody that wants to start to do uh, canner within canner, as in you have to get very good at walk within walk. So, so basically um, I spend a lot of time in um, working on how the horse understands my heels, especially my heels, because um, that's the one that's sort of most effective to start with, just your lower leg and your heel. So I don't even use my seat. It's just about, you know, how can you respond to the feel of my heel? So I want them to a stage that you can sort of, get them in a creepy crawly walk. You can sort of step them up, bring them back. If you squeeze a bit a certain way, 
the horse will go from a creepy crawly walk straight to a trot. Like you, you say, within the walk, they can walk right up the fast walk, medium walk, slow walk, and, and you can stand them. You can get them into a fast walk from a standstill, depending on how you squeeze. So they've got a good push when they come off, off your legs and they move forward uh, until every time you ask, you know what you're going to get. The horse knows what they're going to give. And, and as I say, you can speed up the walk in increments. And the biggest thing in, the, in that, that walk is lock, locking it off in, in a speed. So you're sort of trying to teach the horse to have cruise control. So you say speed up a little and then you say lock it in there and, and you just hang the reins and just let the horse carry that walk. If you want to slow it down, you might lift up on the reins and slow it down a bit. But as soon as that horse finds that slower walk, you lock it in by loosening and saying there's the sweet spot. So the horse is hunting that sweet spot. Legs mean step up. The rein lifting up of the reins and drawing them back a little might bring them back a little bit into the slower speed. So they, they find to lock into that spot. But if you don't have good leg control within the walk uh, and that, that sort of, I can push this much, get this much, I can push this much and get more, then in the canner it's going to be harder. So, And then to get the impulsion to get the canner. So the next thing before you get speed control in the canter, you want the transition into canter to be comfortable for the horse, emotionally comfortable. So I wouldn't worry about speed control in the canter till the horse can step into canter nice and softly. So it goes, I'm not troubled by going from a walk to canter or a trot to canter uh, or a jog to canter. I'm okay with that. And um, the softer they get in finding the canter, the more emotionally stable to be directed at the canter they'll be. If they're jumping into canter, you've got to overmanage them to get them back into the sweet spot and you're going to be overusing your brakes to constantly manage that canter. Whereas if they can step up into canter softly, you're not going to override your brakes to bring them back into the canter that you want. You're going to be sort of saying, okay, the horse is in that frame of mind it was in the walk. It's kind of like it's adjustable and it can sort of be... Um, you know, dropped into the walk I want. So, so, so all I do is I, I'll step the horse up into canter. They might get, they might punch out a little bit hard the first time, but then I just bring them back, slow them down into a walk, and get them comfortable in the walk so they're soft. And I ask them up again until they go, oh, I can just step up into canter. And then when they can step into canter from different speeds in the walk, so you might say from a medium walk to canter. So how you figure out how much pressure to put on the horse to get them in the the bit you want, no, the, the speed you want is. I do an experiment where I say from a standstill, how much leg and what, what how, can the horse give me a fast trot from a standstill relatively quickly? And if they can do that, well, you go to a medium walk, ask the similar amount of pressure, and the horse will go from medium walk to canter because if they can do a standstill to a fast trot, they can do a medium walk to a canter with about the same feel on the legs. And, uh, and by that time, the horse understands your legs, how much pressure means something, and you understand how much you can do. Because the more you do, the more you'll know exactly the right amount to get the horse into a canter from any one speed. And knowing that's really important. I think, I think knowing that is so important because sometimes we just don't know and we're still we're doing all this canter work on our horses and sometimes we've got to kick them up and sometimes we, we, we hardly can touch them and they're sort of taking off. So, and as I say, that's all done a lot within the walk, really good. You, know, you can really do a lot in, in the walk. So once you've established that, you can get your horse to a soft canter and, and it's a soft feeling where that horse goes into canter, then really it's the same thing as the walk, you know. So to get a slow canter, you have to ask for the canter at a reasonably slow speed, like a, like a slow to medium walk. So the walk that you're in is slow. So when the horse goes to canter, the chances of it being slower is higher 
the faster speed you're in, like if you're at a trot that's at, you know, 20 kilometers an hour, the canter's going to be more than 20 kilometers an hour. But if you're in a walk that's five kilometers an hour, you have more of a chance that maybe the horse could get into a canter that's, that's slower. So once you get them in that canter, then you just work within what the horse can do. Find the canter that they offer the best, uh, which might be just a canter that they, some might be at the tippity top of the canter where they're rushing. That's not a good one. So I wouldn't do a lot of canter work if the horse is at, at the edge of the gallop, you know, when they're kind of really pushing forward. But if it's a horse that kind of just finds a kind of a medium sort of lope and just let them find their canter for a bit until they're comfortable in the canter. So they find their canter if it's a fairly good one. Uh, and then from their canter, you just work the steps uh, as you go back a bit and you slow them off a little and then they'll drop back to their canter then you slow them off a little and they'll drop until they'll slow off and maybe find their canter and then from a from find a slower canter and then from that canter you might say now step up back into the canter that you was your favorite canter and then from their favorite canter you might step them up a little bit into a faster canter then you can always slow them back into their favorite canter same as I've done in the trot, trot, you know, going the horse up and down the steps in the trot. And then after a while, you know, you, you sort of get the horse to be able to, same as the walk, loosen the reins at any point in the canter. And then from there, it's just about work out the next bit is top speed. You know, when you put them into a faster gallop and, and they start to lift their feet off the ground more, then, you know, if they can, if they can, can be good on the legs and they can come back through the reins nice, then, then you can, it's just the same again, you know, faster just lock that one in faster so they can come up with the legs and then slower. And then uh, you kind of go loose when that's the one you want. So the sweet spot is always the one where that's that's it there. So they're just creeping up to that spot, following the path of least resistance. So that, that's really all they're doing all the way through the walk, all the way through the canter uh, is following the path of least resistance. Have you ever been on a horse? I'm, I, I know, I mean, I've been on a horse. You, you counted it for the very first time. But what have you been on a horse that uh, you don't think has ever galloped in its life and then it gallops with the person on its back? Have you ever had that situation? Yeah, there's one quite actually funny said that because there's one I remember and I tell a story of this. It was a an older stiff dressage horse and I was years ago in Glen Innes and I'd never really had a lot of older dressage horses back then. I was just sort of starting a lot of horses and re-educating a lot, but I got this one and, and I, I was up this long track and I'm going to get this horse to go fast, I think. And because uh, I, I was kicking, I was, I was squeezing up, squeezing up, and I just kind of do this big, big upward canter, like an uphill canter where it was just going to a certain point and wouldn't go any faster. And it sort of jammed itself up and it just wouldn't do anything. And I'm like, oh, come on, come on. And then finally I got it to gallop. And then I'm like, holy cow, I can't stop this thing. <laughs> it's like, it's like, what's that, what's that joke when you go, uh, you go when the kid's got the helmet on and they're going faster, daddy, faster. And then all of a sudden it's like, too fast, too fast. <laughs> That's what it felt like, um, mm. but yeah. So, so yeah, I, the horse went away too fast for me, uh, and then I couldn't stop it because all that hiding in the reins. Once, once that head got stretched out and it galloped, yeah, there was no brakes on it. So that's why. Uh, Sounds like you should have listened to this podcast that. before you did it. Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't have been able to do the <laughs> podcast back then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It was all those we mistakes that gives me the answers now. So I, I, a, lot of, right. a lot of the answers in a lot of these podcasts are from from being in my own wrecks and making my own mistakes, and you learn things, and then you you go back and you you have another try at it and think about it, and you learn a lot from mistakes. 
So what I've sort of gleaned from this sort of set of questions to um, Mark and correct me if I'm wrong, is that speed is probably directly correlated to how thoughtful they are. So perhaps, you know, the faster you go within a particular gate, uh, you, you might lose their, you're more likely to lose their thoughts. So the more we can get their thoughts with them, the more we can get them in that right mind frame that we want them to be in to learn and to be with us, then the more that's going to be um, a bit more habitual as, as they go faster. So that's what we're tapping into, getting that right mind frame. Yeah, and and the the stress gets bigger. So whatever whatever things the horse doesn't understand is anxious about that we can control in a walk, then that will get worse at a trot and then a canter and then a gallop. So if the horse is worried yeah. about your legs a bit in a walk, when it gets to gallop, it'll be run away from your legs. Uh, if it's worried about the reins and braces and leans a bit in a walk and it's just kind of a bit doughy in the feet, when it gets to gallop, it's going to lock up in the reins. So if it drags its feet in the back half, it slows down a bit humpy. It's either not going to want to gallop, but when it does get a head of steam up and 10 horses are in front of it, you won't be able to pull it up. That's basically, you know. So whatever you can control, you've got to go over every one of those things. And and like you said, just said to me before, uh, you know, like I, I needed to listen to my podcast. Uh, well, I used to be able to ride, and I still can, and I still encourage people. I, I found because I rode so many hot horses over the years, I found all these good ways to ride a hot horse down. I could ride a hot horse down really well, but I'm not teaching people to ride hot horses down anymore, though I, though I can show them how to do it. Um, I'm encouraging them how to ride hot horses up, which means uh, start at the standstill and work out where the anxiety starts. And a lot of those hot horses, uh, though I, I got really good rain techniques and, and slow down techniques and steering techniques to get them to come back softly, and start to loosen and just travel. Um, as soon as you add that accelerator again, and they've got trouble in the accelerator, then they go back to hot again. Then they've got to waste your reins to bring them back again. So um, I would rather encourage people to learn how to ride those horses up. And there's a lot of learning that the horse needs to do within that acceleration and how to accelerate softly and without trauma and worry. Uh, that's so important. Uh, otherwise, you're just worrying them with your legs and then quieting them with your reins, and you can't have that. That's That's a really bad imbalance. So you've got to... Um, mm. get them confident with your legs so you don't have to always help them with the reins all the time and that's where we do we we keep a horse a bit a faster horse we tend to not do acceleration enough on them and we always comfort them with the reins and we overuse the reins for comforting and getting their thoughts and relaxing them and and then we don't squeeze them enough so then it's just like you know doc, you know the legs are like the dr jekyll dr hyde sort of thing the reins are the help of the legs are the um the one that worries them so, so yeah, we have right. to address and, the and legs in those horses. Yeah, okay. And, and it's, you know, we're obviously improving our skills as well by making sure that we're really switching on to these anxiety moments before so we can tap into them at the really early stage. Thank you so much um, for answering all those questions. And um, I hope this helps to, uh, to the, those questions that have come through from our members. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, everybody. You can learn more from Mark online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. There's over 380 training videos which everyone has access to with a seven-day free trial. If you like what you see, it's just $15 a month from there. That's help where you need it.